I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. Welcome to my podcast where I invite you to join me each week as I shine a light on some of the very best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offer advice to those that want to make in the UK. But before we get on to today's episode, I just want to tell you about an event that I've got coming up. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers and British-made brands from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. Taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London, we've got over 200 exhibitors inspiring talks just like the ones on this podcast and it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. Registration is now open and if you go to mib.live forward slash podcast VIP I've got a special something for you when you register. I hope to see you there and now let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Make It British podcast. Today I'm interviewing textile print designer Bianca Elgar, who I first met not long after I set up Make It British when I helped her to find manufacturers for the first business that she launched in the UK fashion industry. Since then, Bianca's business has evolved quite a bit. And in this interview, she tells us all about how it has changed over the years. She's got really interesting points to make about how manufacturing working with design is so important. And when the two come together in perfect alignment, it creates alchemy. And I just love that idea. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Bianca Elgar. Hello, Bianca. Thank you so much for joining me on the Make It British podcast today. Thank you for inviting me, Kate. I'm um, really looking forward to talking to you about this because I've I've um, known you for so long. Um, yeah, it'll be nice to sort of catch up and uh, yeah, in preparation for Make It British Live. Yeah, we're sure exhibiting out for the third time now, aren't you? And you've been a member of Make It British for quite a few years now, too. Yeah, almost from right from the beginning. So, do you want to tell everyone? all about how your brand came about because it was something it was called something different at the start wasn't it yeah it was called be unlimited um not the best brand name uh, but it was about versatility and um basically even then i was motivated by various ways in which good design impacts our lives um different ways of wearing things, versatility. Um, I just believe in well thought out, durable design uh, that can become treasured, a treasured heirloom. So you weren't a designer originally, because I remember you contacted me for help with finding a manufacturer for your idea that you had, didn't you, which was your Be Unlimited product. So what was your background when you set up be unlimited because you weren't a clothing designer were you no I was a print designer and I was studying textile design at the, at the time uh, when I hit upon this idea of uh, going into fashion making it versatile fashion and I had never done anything in fashion my my uh, background is more into printing straight onto to fabric myself as a screen printer um, and I was, you know, wanted to work with silk and 
I wanted to move into fashion. I wanted to know as much as possible about manufacturing in, in Britain, which is why I'm, I contacted you. And your so because it's interesting, isn't it, how a brand evolves? So now you are um, you have a different product. So once once you renamed as Bianca Elgar, the product has evolved, hasn't it, throughout the last few years? It's quite interesting the way it's changed. I gained self confidence in design. I mean, I I, you know, I I'd never designed anything with fashion in mind before, and. yeah. I, so I was, it in, was it print for interior you were doing before? Yes. Yeah. I was doing cushions and uh, uh, teapot covers and tea cozies. And basically at um, Make It British Life this, this year, I'll be launching the um, Lifestyle Home Collection. So you've uh, gone full I circle. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I, I have learned a lot from fashion and I hope to bring everything that I've learned, you know, into the, you know, it's, it's different what I, I'll, I'll be doing. I'm, first of all, I'm not printing directly on, on fabric myself. Um, it's all digitally printed. Yeah. So and how did you find that transition from screen printing, which you originally trained in, to digital printing? Um, I still design everything through screen print, but I do it on paper and then it's um, scanned in and then digitally perfected um, through all the lovely um, Adobe with a whole so, Adobe suite, um, and ready to be digitally printed by my manufacturers. Aha, uh-huh, I see. So do you have your own screen printing facilities in your studio? In, yes, I have my own studio, but I, I gave away, um, I used to develop myself. I used to uh, have a dark room. Um, I used to have very big uh, screens, but... I can actually print straight on on uh, paper, and it just makes life a lot easier. And especially for silk, I mean, printing on silk is a, a different thing altogether. And yeah. what I wanted was good ink penetration, beautiful colours, um, and I found that in Macclesfield. Yes, which is, which is the home of silk printing exactly. in the UK, isn't yes. it? So how yeah. often do you get to Macclesfield? Well, I was only there a couple of weeks ago. Brilliant, I, brilliant. I, I love uh, visiting uh, man- manufacturers and uh, having a personal connection, seeing what they can do. And especially for the home collection, that was a very important thing because um, – I didn't know what they could do and they hadn't really told me, but by meeting them and coming up with some of the ideas that I've been working on for, for years, they were to tell me that they could do it. And, and straight away they were putting together prototypes. I could also see prints coming straight off the, the printer. Um, yes, it was a very exciting time. And I think that is obviously one of the great advantages, isn't it, of making in the UK is that you can get there and see your work coming straight off the printer and see it instantly and see, you know, the the brilliant, vibrant colours that you get in your products. So what has brought about the the decision to go back into homeware again? Um, I mean, 
and I'll stay doing uh, fashion. It's just I feel that my prints can also be used, uh, my designs can be used in, in other ways. And right. um, I suppose... Um, possibly because I took part in Naked British Live yes, uh, last last year. I met quite a lot of manufacturers who could do what I've been quite passionate about mm. and started to talk to them and uh, met them. Uh, yes, and, and I just thought, why not? It possibly is also a little bit easier um, than fashion. Yeah, that's interesting. In, in what ways do you find it easier? Um, you don't have to keep to, you know, several collections a year. You can, you know, yeah, you can change things, um, you know, your direction a bit. You could do more, um, I don't know, interesting question um it's a it's a bit more exciting to be working on mugs and then next moment um on note cards and then the next moment on uh, on uh, embroidered cushions uh so you're doing yeah. mugs are you as oh, part yeah. of your I, I i went to the potteries last uh in fact two weeks ago on my brilliant field Yes, in fact, you know, some of the the manufacturers you've spoken to uh, as well. So, um, so are you printing your mugs with heraldic pottery? Yes, because they yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I went there a few weeks ago. In fact, yeah. I have a podcast interview with them coming up. What uh, an amazing place! Amazing, they're so <laughs> knowledgeable, and there's, they make it quite easy. You know, the whole process they understand um that well, that's good to hear you know i don't have a, an, an expertise in in pottery i just would like my designs to be made to be different and um yeah i think yeah. they just hear me and understanding the process they also work with silk screen printing so i understand that that process um, so you've yes. used the same prints across homeware, um, pottery, yes. fashion. Yeah. Ah, and how did you manage to get those prints to work across all those different substrates? Because you're obviously going to get a different colour and a different effect on each ah, one. It's just the men and the women collection that I'll be using for for um, the, the the mugs. Um, and for the embroidered cushions, right? Oh, I can't wait to see them. Yeah, yes. So you're going to be showing really a bit, bit of a, a surprise. I don't think I should be telling <laughs> you everything. No, because this podcast is going to go out before the event. But that's good yeah. because then people will be able to come to the show yeah. and see you and meet and and see all these products that they've that they've heard about. So, who is your main customer for the Bianca Elgar? Uh, for the for the uh, lifestyle, I hope to be working uh, directly with interior designers and lifestyle oh, okay. shops. Um, yeah. And do you uh, do you sell a lot wholesale, or do you mostly sell direct to? Um, I mean, we both know with, with the um, the trouble that the high street has and retailers have, it's it's just quite challenging. I'm I'm looking at 
different ways of getting to to market. I looked at the wholesale strategy, uh, but you know, I, when I showed in Paris, I heard you know, and was going to move straight to export. Um, I just kept on hearing the dreaded B word and the insecurity <laughs> in the market. Being a British brand, um, they just, you know, two years ago, they they got quite scared. So at the moment, I'm looking at different routes to, to market uh, without spending a fortune on getting uh, stock in. So you mentioned Europe there. Do you do you also export to other countries outside of Europe? Because I would have thought your sorts of products would be really popular in places like Japan and China, where we know that a lot of UK brands are doing really well at the moment. Uh, online, yes, we get international sh- uh, sales, but not uh, not not wholesale yet. So you, so you are selling online through your own store to those yeah. mm-hmm. sorts of countries? Yeah, I thought, I thought so. Yeah. And is there, what are your plans going forward for expanding into other markets? Um, I don't know yet. I mean, the, it, there's such uncertainty. I'm just, I've, I've taken the last two years to look around me and see what I can you know, creatively do to um, launch the uh, lifestyle collection. Um, I've yeah, and I think you're right. I think around. a lot of people are also doing that. They've, you know, the word limbo seems to come up a lot. But yeah. a lot of people are taking this time to reassess what's important for their brand and where, or all their manufacturing business and where they think they're likely to go in the future and that will probably look different to where it was a few years ago but and then I think that's quite interesting times. Yeah I mean I've spoken uh, to quite a lot of manufacturers I've looked Mm. around in different cities and towns to sort of see what works and what doesn't work Um, spoken with shopkeepers um, looked at city centres and this is for a retail space. Yeah, for retail, yeah. for just, but also to just come up with different ideas of, you know, how to get to the customer. So, Bianca, how do you see, so for both your business and other businesses, creative businesses like yourselves, how do you think they should find potential new customers going forward with the current uncertainty around retail at the moment? I feel that it's creating a customer experience, um, something that is targeted especially for them, that makes them feel special. Um, my my products don't really fit on the on the high street. So you're talking about more bespoke events, maybe yes. pop up shops or things where the yeah. customers can yeah. actually experience your brand. But also in in other pop up shops, uh, working with interior designers, working with stylists, yeah. and yeah, communicating the brand directly to the customer. Yeah, I think there's a tendency for a lot of new brands or small businesses to actually at the moment think that Instagram, for instance, or social media, but particularly Instagram, um, is going to be the solution to finding 
their customers. And yes, it has worked for some businesses that we know, but it doesn't necessarily work for everyone because shopping is still very much an experience, isn't it? Especially when you're buying a luxury British made product. And I think the problem at the moment is retail is not offering people that experience. And so there's going to start being more places that are going to open up or events that take place that are more bespoke for um, the type of group of customers. So I can understand you collaborating then with other businesses who are who are reaching out to a similar sort of target customer and creating experiences for them. Yes. Because everyone's bored with just walking into department stores these days. Well, I know I am. <laughs> well, all you see is the same old, same old, and it's you, 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 you're selling to people who want to who you make the decisions on, on price, um, not necessarily on, on quality. Yeah, no, that that is so true, especially when you're dealing with, you know, beautiful silk products. You do need to see them in real life. And also because they are statement pieces and they're versatile and that needs to be shown, that needs to be explained. And, um, yeah, how, you, how my products work. You did a great video, wasn't it, or a series of videos showing how to wear your scarves in different ways. yes. Yes, I remember that yeah. now. Well, is that still on your website? Because I can point everyone towards that because it was really yes. useful. Yes, there's, there's a styling ideas. Yes, and I'd love to be able to do more of, of that. But as you know, all these things yeah. take time. Yeah. So with that idea in mind then, if you were starting over again, and when was it you first launched Beyond Limited? It must have been about six, seven years ago six, now when we first spoke. Yes. yes. So if you were doing it all over again or you were talking to someone who was in the same position as you were six years ago, what advice would you give them? Um, what would you do differently? You know, I, I think we all have to learn from our mistakes. Otherwise, uh, you know, the, at, at the beginning, it's such a minefield. Yeah. There's so much to learn. You can be a designer. That doesn't necessarily make you a very good business person. Uh, you can be a very good business person. That doesn't necessarily make you a very good designer. Um, I, you know, I had this idea. Uh, I just had to learn. I had to experience and learn from my mistakes learn from the the good things that happened to me learn to uh, work with the right people choose the right people um that's an interesting point about choosing the right people and learning from them oh yes and how did you go about choosing the right people by kissing a lot of frogs. <laughs> oh, you know what? And also I think you say it's a lot of frogs, but sometimes that frog is the right frog for another frog. Yeah. It, it's, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Particularly when you're talking to, about manufacturers, because I know some people who I can send them to one manufacturer and they can think that they're amazing and they're perfect for them. And someone else will go to the same manufacturer and come back to me and say, gosh, didn't rate them at all. And it just quite often depends on personality types and product types and all sorts of different factors until you've found the perfect manufacturer for you. 
learning to ask lots of questions and also seeing, you know, not waste their time, um, find a solution, you know, try and find a solution straight, you know, between the two of you. If it doesn't work, that's the solution. You know, don't don't work um, together. Um, yeah, don't try and fit a square peg into a round exactly. hole is exactly. a phrase that I often yeah. use when it comes to manufacturers. But then I also think that manufacturers could help themselves there a little bit in if they were clearer right from the start to designers or buyers or anyone that approaches them to make it clear what they can and they can't do right from the start so that there wasn't time spent between both parties exploring all different possibilities when it's never really going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I've had samples come back that have been so disappointing and I've, I've just learned to say, okay, fair enough, let's move some, somewhere else. And mm. um, I think manufacturers should be doing that as well. It's like if they can't do what, what you ask them to do, go and find somebody else. Yes, and they also, I think there's this danger what manufacturers in their eagerness to please will often send samples back to someone and they know in their heart of hearts that they're not right. Yeah. But they want to please and they want to send something and they're kind of sending it, fingers crossed, maybe she'll accept it. But actually they really know that it's not right, but they've not had the heart to say no right at the start when they knew they couldn't really do what you needed unfortunately um it is seeing people face to face understanding the the manufacturing process and you know have some really really good communications going on um sometimes make the samples yourself you know just from bits of paper and and talk people through it you know say what you what you want have your specifications on a piece of paper and um that that way you save yourself a lot of time and money and the manufacturer a lot of time and money i mean you made a really good point there and it's something that i do keep banging the drum about on this podcast uh, it's going to see manufacturers and it saves you time and money in the long run if you do yeah. that for a designer to understand the manufacturing process and understand uh, when you visit them and see what they can do if you can't ask them to do things that you know are impossible to to them um it's like when you mentioned heraldic pottery now i went there recently now now i've seen how they're applying those transfers exactly onto mugs. gosh amazing and how long it takes yes as well yeah. and did you see the lady that was painting around the top yeah. of the amazing top line around the top of the mugs by hand yes well incredible we've got some of that coming um well. that extra touch you know the personal touch but then once you've seen that you know what is achievable what isn't and you also know why something costs as it yes. does but you can also communicate that yeah. to your customer to say this is a luxury product that you're buying, this is handcrafted, this is painted by hand, 
And I think you do that very well I, with your my, brand. My main thing is I don't just say that things are manufactured in the UK. I, I say that they are created in the UK. And that is a process where design and manufacturing comes together. Um, and that, to me, is creating alchemy. Yeah, that's brilliant. Making that. an amazing product that you know you wouldn't want to go to a, a, a cheap place to. Yeah, you know, it, it it they become heirlooms. Exactly. So you never ever thought of manufacturing overseas. I've had a fabric manufactured overseas, and I've been mm. shocked at the quality, the costs involved, uh, the the duties that. I had to pay on them the amount of paperwork and it's it's not exciting it's really exciting to see things come off um a, a machine here in the UK yes. yeah couldn't agree more brilliant exactly you took the words right out of my mouth there Bianca mm. <laughs> well well on that note it's been lovely talking to you oh thank you for Where? giving me the opportunity to talk to you I hope pleasure I you know, I, I haven't put people off or it is it is very hard work. Um, Isn't everything that is worth but, doing hard yeah, work? Absolutely. Yeah. So as well as our Make It British Live trade show uh, this year, where else can people find and buy a Bianca Elgar heirloom? On the website. Um, and you will find the soon I'll be launching... Well, I'll be launching the Lifestyle uh, Home Collection uh, at Make It British Life and then slowly but surely things will appear on the website. Brilliant. So that's BiancaElgar.com. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll put links to that in the show notes for the podcast. Thank and you. also, um, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have some pictures of some of your amazing homeware that we can include as well. Yes. I, I'm really excited yeah. to see it. Yeah, well, it will be a bit different, but you'll see, you know, some of the, the prints that I used in my Out of Africa collection and the Language of Flowers collection come to life on home and lifestyle products. Amazing. Bianca, it's lovely to talk to you, as always. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kate. I, uh, I look forward to seeing you at the ex exhibition. And, um, yeah, let's keep talking. Let's do that. Cheers, Bianca. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me a, just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.